The Bible says in the book of James, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, that he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If somebody hears the word but they don't let it get into their spirit, they don't change. Amen. I don't want to only be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. Amen. I don't want to just hear a Bible study about how I'm supposed to live. I want to live the way I'm supposed to live. I want the Word of God to challenge me. Amen. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. That doesn't just mean on Sunday morning to be filled with the Spirit. That means every day we got to be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If we'll get full of the Holy Ghost, most of the stuff we deal with in life, amen, the Holy Ghost will help us with it. Amen. But if we're not full of the Holy Ghost, we're at the mercy of this world. Amen. Stand and go with me to Galatians chapter number 5, verse 22 through 26. We're going to continue in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. This is lesson four. We're getting to the first fruit of the Spirit. It's going to be a long lesson, a long series, isn't it? Thank you, Brother Don. I was that you, Brother Don? Whoever, I think whoever it was over there, thank you. Whoever said it was all right. The rest of you, you're just going to have to deal with it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. But the fruit of the Spirit is, first of all, love. And so tonight I want to talk to you, and we might spend a few lessons on the first fruit and then run through the rest of them pretty quick. But tonight I want to ask you this question, what is love? What is love? Look at somebody, ask him, what is love? Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me, help me tonight, anoint our ears to hear, let the word find good ground, let it bring forth fruit, God, help, it, help us not to be hearers only. But God, help us to be a doer of the word as well. And help us, God, to be full of the Holy Ghost so that the fruit of the Spirit, if we'll be full of the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit can be full in our lives. And so God, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand. Clap of praise. God bless you. You can be seated. Love is probably the most talked about fruit of the Spirit, but probably the most misunderstood. There are three Greek words that are translated into English as love. The first Greek word is eros. It's where the word erotic comes from. It tends to be applied to the physical aspect of love. Another Greek word for love is phylos. It is brotherly love. It is friendship. 
It is where you evaluate a person based on personality, likes, dislikes, and other traits, and decide that you love that person. It is companionship and friendship. It's the deep bond that comes from shared experiences and interests. It's why golfers gravitate to other golfers and outdoorsmen gravitate to other outdoorsmen. It's centered on evaluations and interests and other factors. Love in our modern world is a much abused term. Because of our experiences, we all have somewhat different ideas about it. The person who has had an abusive father will understand love differently from someone who had a great relationship with their father. The person who had a very difficult marriage that ended in divorce or abandonment will have a very different understanding of love than someone who has a strong, stable, and happy home. People's backgrounds and experiences and personalities, their mental health issues and other factors inform their concepts and ideas and understanding of love. We use the same word, but we don't, we don't interpret it the same internally. The most prevalent notion in the Western world is that love is that warm butterfly feeling that one gets in the pit of their stomach or the tingle running up and down their spine. I watch these young people fall in love and it almost makes you sick. I contend that most of our modern world is not really in love with love. They're in love with romance. They want the feeling of romance, but not the commitment of love. And so when their relationship loses the sense of romance, then they decide to get divorced or move on to somebody else. They're in love with romance, but they need to fall in love with their spouse. Amen. I'm not teaching on marriage tonight, but that was a free, that was a free down payment on a future lesson. We think of love as this warm sense of regard, an emotion or a desire to be with or around someone. Some have equated it with caring, benevolent giving, or nothing more than sheer emotionalism. On occasion, we use the term love very casually and very loosely. People express their love for a certain team. Or they'll say, I love this flavor of ice cream, if you will, or a certain soda or pizza or food, the style of house or color or an automobile, fashion, artist, whatever the case may be. People say they love an endless number of things. What many call love really is just lust. When people say they love something, what they're really stating very often is merely an opinion of that thing, a preference. A preference is not love because a preference will change. There's foods as a child I hated that now I love. There's foods I would eat as a child that now I'd stay away from. 
It's not really a love. It's a preference. A preference is not love. And to use love in this way devalues what love really is. To care about something is not necessarily love. Someone can care to the point of an obsession, but that doesn't mean that it's real love. A measure of caring is part of true love, but caring by itself cannot be a substitute for love. If anybody's ever really been in love, you know that you don't always feel the emotion. And that's why you have to have your mind made up. The Greek word for love that Paul used in Galatians 5.22 in talking about the fruit of the Spirit is the Greek word agape. Love, filial, brotherly love can be an involuntary result of emotion, but agape is purposeful and intentional. You can get around somebody and find that you have similar interests, similar things that you like, and because of that, you instantly realize, I can be a friend with that person. You've made a mental decision that based on likes and preferences that you can get along with that person. But agape is not based on a decision that you make as far as interest goes. Agape is a purposeful and intentional decision to care and love somebody. Love, according to the analytical Greek lexicon, agape love is based on choice, a matter of will. I've made up my mind. I am going to love that person. A writer by the name of Stevens claims that agape stands, quote, all the higher above in moral import because it is a result of a conscience deliberate will. Agape does not happen because people like each other or have similar cultural backgrounds or interests. Agape reaches across cultural, racial, socioeconomic, and family lines because agape love comes from God. The question, what is love? Often, Pentecostals get more caught up in the gifts of the Spirit than we do the fruit of the Spirit. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 gives instructions on the nine gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, he said that they're given to everyone that has the Holy Ghost in some measure to profit the kingdom of God. And then he lists the nine gifts of the Spirit. And we may do a series on that in the future. But for now, Paul just names the gifts of the Spirit In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles. He gives in chapter 12 the the list of nine gifts of the Spirit. And then in the very next chapter, chapter number 13, he systematically points out why love is more important than all of them. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, you might as well go there and just keep your Bible open. 
We're going to be there for the rest of this, this lesson tonight. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or cymbal. The word charity, I'm not sure why the translators of the King James Version, I'm not sure why they use the word love, agape in the Greek, everywhere else in the New Testament. And then in Corinthians 13, where agape shows up, they use the word charity. I don't know why they did that, but the word in the original Greek is literally agape, love. This, this, this willful decision to love through the Spirit of God. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I can speak in tongues of angels, or if I can speak in the tongues of men and you understand what I say, then, and I don't have love, he said, all I am is a sounding brass. Or a tinkling cymbal. That sounding brass is a noisy gong. It's that, you, you, you know, when like they would announce if a king was coming, they'd hit that gong and everybody'd bow down or whatever. That, it's that. He said, if I can speak in tongues and interpret, but I don't love, then I'm just making a bunch of noise is all I am doing. People who can talk in tongues all day but not love people are just noisy. That's all they are. I've known people that were powerful when under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And you'd almost want to lock them in a cage when they weren't. I've known people that had every standard down pat but were so full of anger and bitterness. Just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. Then he takes a step more. 1 Corinthians 13 and 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy. You understand, in chapter 12, he lists all these gifts of the Spirit. Now in chapter 13, he's bringing them back, but he's saying that they have to operate by love. Though I have the gift of prophecy. And understand all mysteries. If God gives me the word of wisdom that I understand everything. And all knowledge. He lets me flow in the gift of knowledge. And though I have all faith, I work in the gift of faith. So that I could move mountains. And have not charity. I am nothing. If I could prophesy to everything that moved, if God was constantly giving me a word of wisdom to tell people how to react, or if God gave me a word of knowledge to reveal things to people, and I had the gift of faith that would release miracles, yet without love, I really don't have anything. I want a church that is powerfully used in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. I want the gifts of the Spirit to flow in our worship service and in our altar. But I want it to be because we love the people we're ministering to. 
not because we want to look awesome in somebody else's eyes. The gifts of the Spirit are powerful if they're released because we love souls. And thank God we do. He takes it a step further. Verse number 3, 1 Corinthians 13 and 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. This verse is very interesting to me. This one is very interesting to me. Because, because this one is not focused on the, the gifts of the Spirit. This one is not, not focused on actions. This one is focused on motives. Because the actions are right. I give to the poor. And I even am willing to give my body. I'm willing to suffer. The actions are not the problem in verse 3. The problem in verse 3 is the motives. I give all my money to the poor. I'm willing to give my body to be burned, but I don't have love. I'll give my resources. I'll suffer pain and maybe even death. I'll do it to appear benevolent, but not really for the love of the person that I'm giving to. I do it because it makes me look good to give. But not because I'm giving from my heart. Somehow I'll be a martyr. And people will respect me if I allow myself to suffer. But if I'm doing it for my own reputation. And not because I'm full of love for the kingdom and for souls then it profits me nothing. I might as well not have given a single penny. So Paul discussed in three verses what love is not. And so now he turns the page in verse number four. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Charity suffereth long. Everybody say, love suffers long and is kind. Come on, say it, and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Paul wrote three verses about what love is not, but then he said, Love, real love, suffers long. That word suffereth means to be long-spirited, forbearing, restrained, patient. To be long-suffering. I remember one time in a Bible study group I was doing years ago. Um, it was a bunch of apostolics and, uh, and a guy that, that wasn't quite sure what he believed. And... Uh, and we'd have these Bible studies, and, and I would make a point on doctrine. We were teaching baptism and Holy Ghost, and, and uh, I'd use a scripture, and he'd say, I don't believe that. And so I'd go back to the scripture, and he'd say, that's not the way I see it. And I'd go back to the scripture, 
and say, I don't think. And I finally stopped and I said, it doesn't matter what you think. This is the Bible. And that went on for weeks. And the other guys in the class, they'd sit there. And then after class was over, they'd come by every so often to say, Pastor, just tell him he can't come back. Just tell him, just tell him that, that, that just, just tell him that this not the class for him. And I kept telling him, I'm not giving up on him. I'm not giving up on him. You know what? He turned out to be one of the greatest soul winners I ever pastored. Because you just have to sometimes just be patient. Amen. Long suffering. Have long patience. To pay, it means the definition to patiently endure. To be patient. Listen to this. It means to be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. To be mild and slow to anger and slow to punish. Man. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And love isn't love. If it doesn't suffer long, it might be affection, it might be friendship, it might be getting along, but it is not love if it cannot suffer long, if it's not forbearing and restrained and patient to patiently endure, to be patient in bearing offenses and injuries of others, to be mild and slow to anger, slow to punish. If your love doesn't suffer long, then God, we need to get full of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is love that suffers long. Folks, if this is too hard for you, just buckle up. It's going to get worse. You might want to go get a drink of water. He said, love suffereth long and is kind. Kindness is part of having the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. I understand if we were see if I was preaching miracles, you'd be clapping your hands. If we were if if I was prophesying, man, you'd be you'd be saying, "Give one to me." If we were having the gift of faith and working of miracles and signs and wonders, you'd be saying, "Amen." But I'm going to tell you, Paul said this is more important than that. Because you can go to heaven crippled, but you can't go to heaven full of bitterness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and love is kind. The word kind comes from a Greek word that means virtuous, good, manageable. Love makes somebody manageable, easy to deal with and get along with, mild. I didn't write the definition. All I did was copy it. Pleasant as opposed to harsh, hard, sharp, or bitter. Man. Whoever wrote that dictionary, they're giving you a hard time. Manageable, mild, pleasant, opposed to harsh, hard, sharp, bitter. Love is kind. God, help me to get so full of the Holy Ghost that kindness becomes part of my personality. 
Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Love envieth not. Love doesn't covet. It's not jealous over what someone else has or does. Love does not burn with zeal for someone else's place or position or respect or possessions. It means to be heated or to boil with envy or hatred or anger. Love doesn't act that way. Love vaunteth not itself. Love doesn't brag. It doesn't boast. It's not a self-display. Love is not puffed up, inflated to make proud or haughty. That's not love. You want me to quit or you want me to go on? 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, love does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Did you notice? Now look, I, the, the woke police are about to get mad at me, okay? And so... And so uh, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to warn you that if you're really woke, you may want to join another stream right now. Did you notice we in a world that doesn't like pronouns anymore? You notice the pronoun in the middle of this verse? Do you see it? Her. It likens love to a her. Because Real spiritual love gives birth to things in our spirit. Amen. A male can leave a seed and go to the other side of the world, but a her has to travail and give birth to it and nurture it. Amen. And so love is not a one-time momentary deal and then you're gone to the other side of the world and let somebody... Love is a constant nurturing, birthing process of things in life and spirit. Praise God. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love doesn't act unbecomingly. Love doesn't rage and explode and make scenes. Amen. Don't tell me that's just how you are. I just get mad and then I, I pop and then I get, just don't, don't give me an excuse. Tell me you're going to pray until you get full of the Holy Ghost and get it under control. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Amen. Whatever you give yourself an excuse for, you'll do it. And so let's not make excuses. Let's make changes. Praise God. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens. But the Bible said, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're looking in a mirror. You're not really changing. All you're doing is getting a reflection of yourself back. But I don't want my own reflection. I don't want to be a reflection of my own nature. I want to be a reflection of his and so for me to do that, I can't just listen to Bible teaching and preaching and then throw it over my shoulder when I go out and act however I want and talk however I want. I got to let it get in me. 
Praise God. Love doesn't behave unseemly. Let me read that definition again. Doesn't act unbecomingly, doesn't rage, explode, and make scenes. Love does not seek its own. The word seek here is the Greek word zetio, zeteo. I don't know how to say it, but it's that word. It means to seek. It means, but, but it's also used to depict a person. Who was so upset about not this? I, I copied this word for word from the source. It's used to depict a person who was so upset about not getting what they wanted that they turned to whatever means necessary to get their way, whether it be the court system to sue or to demand what they're striving to obtain. Instead of taking no, I'm, I'm still quoting, instead of taking no for an answer, this person is so intent on getting their own way that they will just they will do just about whatever they have to do in pursuit to get what they want. Zetio is to be so bent on getting your own way that if you have to twist facts, look for loopholes, put words in other people's mouth, whatever the case. And the Bible said love doesn't do that. Love does not seek its own. The word, the word zetio is manipulation. Love doesn't manipulate to get its own way. One resource said, quote, there is no doubt that Paul had the image of manipulating scheming person in his mind when he wrote this verse. Love is not easily provoked. The word provoke there means to arouse, to anger. A con- it literally means a convulsion or a sudden outburst. Virtually every lexicon and primary source indicates the notion of reaching a level of exasperation. A loving, here's, here's, a, here, here's a, a, another rendering of this verse. A loving person. Somebody is trying to airdrop me a picture, and I am declining it right now. If that was you, I assume it was a mistake. A loving person cannot be goaded into the sharp retort of irritation. And let the guilty be quiet. Love is not easily provoked. Listen to this. Love thinketh no evil. Some people thrive on negative things about others. An appetite for scandal. They love hearing things about people or repeating things about people. But they they may never investigate to know if the story's true. Just soak it in and spit it out. Before you accept a story about someone, make sure the story is true, not lies and gossip. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. The Bible said, receive not an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses. If you take one person's word against someone else, you are violating the Bible. 
you are not in line with the Scripture. And you are in rebellion to the Word and Spirit of God. Praise God. Amen. Brother Wilson, I wish I had me an old blackboard like your dad used to. I think he probably used to preach some stuff like this back in the day. Is that Bible? It is. But even if the report's true, love still thinks no evil. Love says, I'm going to pray and ye which are spiritual restore such a one. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Love doesn't say, I told you they were like that. I told you they had that problem. No, love says, even if they do have the problem, God help me to find a way to help them be restored. The next verse, verse number six. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love doesn't have an I told you so attitude. When someone messes up, you should not see it as a validation of your own opinion of that person. <coughs> Love never rejoices in sin. I know of a ministry that's having a difficult time right now. They're not in our state. They're not near us, but they're having a terrible time. And I got a random email today talking about that ministry. I typed up a big response. And then the Holy Ghost told me, don't send it. And so I deleted the response and I blocked the email that it came from. Because love never rejoices in iniquity. Love's never happy to see somebody else suffer. Love is never satisfied watching somebody else fail. But love always rejoices when truth is glorified. God, help me be full of the Spirit and to love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7. I think it's my last, it's my last verse, but that doesn't mean I'm that close to done. Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Boy, isn't that an awesome verse? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The word beareth is the Greek word stego. Stego is a, to, means to build a roof over or to cover. It means to deck or thatch, to cover or protect. To keep something safe by covering it. Listen to this. This is a great phrase. I wish I'd have thought of it, but I just copied it from the definition. To cover over with silence. Amen. Run up here, Brother Michael. 
I'm looking around the front. You seem to be in the best shape of all of us. Grab that stool and sit here for me if you don't mind. Love beareth all things. Love stego, to roof over, to cover, to deck, to thatch, to protect, to persevere, to preserve, I'm sorry, to preserve, to cover over with silence, to keep secret, to hide, to conceal, to keep off something which threatens. Brother Michael, if I love you, it's my job to help cover you. I can't say I love him. And then when someone wants to attack him, I run over here until I feel like it's safe enough for me to come back. Oh, I'm sorry they did that. It's my job to cover him. If, it, if something's coming after him, it's my job to be a roof over him. Sometimes just in silence. Not to say, you know this is your fault. You messed up. You know if you do better. If you pray more, if you worship more, no, 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 just cover them with silence. I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to protect. That's what love in a family does. It bears all things. Brother Michael, it is my job, not just as your pastor. If I wasn't the pastor, it would still be my job as your brother to help cover you. And it's your job. To help cover me. That, because love bears all things. It's that relationship. God, help me be full enough of the Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit of love can help me to be a covering. Amen. You can go. Thank you. It's not to cover up corruption but it's to protect the people you love. I tell my girls, I tell my girls from time to time not to throw the other one under the bus about something. I tell them, you're family and you're supposed to protect each other. This is why couples shouldn't air their dirty laundry about each other. Because once it's out there, it can't be taken back. You may put it on social media. Well, how do you know that somebody that's interested in your spouse isn't out there reading it? And then when they see you got a problem, they see an open door. you got to guard each other. you got to protect each other. And it's not just spouses, but it's people in the church. You shouldn't air your dirty laundry out there. you got to bear all things. And often it's just by being silent. Man, it's good preaching. I had this rope. I've been working on this series. Dear God, it's taken me. It's, I'm, I'm on the first fruit of the Spirit, and it's my fourth week teaching. Been working on it. Love believes all things. The word belief here is the word in the Greek, pistis. It's translated very often simply as faith. 
But to believe, here what he's saying, to believe all things means that you give the people you love the benefit of the doubt. Expect the best. Don't assume somebody's trying to hurt you. Don't assume that they meant it to, to, to harm you. Don't assume that, that, that now, now I love my mama. Man, I love my mom. I miss my mom. I miss my mom. Sometimes I'll drive down the road. There's a spot on the highway between, between here and Oxford on Highway 30. And it's the place, when I pass there, it's the last time I ever talked to my mom was passing through that area. And, uh, but my mom's worst fault was she spent her entire life thinking people were out to get her. What a terrible way to live, to always assume the worst. But love believes all things, hopes, gives people the benefit of the doubt. I assume that because you're a Holy Ghost-filled child of God, even though you may hurt me, it, I, I assume that you're not trying to. I had a preacher one time tell me, your problem is that you see the best in people. I thought, well, okay. So failure to believe all things is marked by suspicion, to be suspicious of others. To always think they're being deceitful or hiding intentions. It's a mark of a wounded soul to live that way. Love hopes all things. The word hopeth is another Greek word. I, I, I know I'm not going to say it right, so I'm just going to skip trying to say it. But it does, it depicts not only a hope, but an expectation of good things. Love expects good things to come. This means that rather than assuming failure or bad result in someone's life, agape love of God expects that God can do something powerful in their life. They may have messed up now, but that agape love of God, the fruit of the Spirit, believes they may be down, but by prayer and help they can be up again. Love looks at somebody. They may be living under a bridge, strung out, backslid as they could be, but love says they can come back and they can be useful and they can be used in the kingdom of God. It's not over yet. <laughs> love hopes all things. It means that not only do we hope for it, but we expect it and it's filled with anticipation. That something good is about to happen. God, help me be so full of the Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit of love gives me anticipation that you're going to do something great, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Love endures all things. The word endureth is actually a compound word of two Greek words. One means to be under, and the other means to abide or to stay. It means to stay under something. It depicts somebody who is under a heavy load but refuses to give up and surrender. Love endures all things. 
regardless of what the enemy tries to do. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to let the enemy tear me apart from my church family and from the body of Christ. I'm going to endure because I'm going to stay under the load of what God is trying to do here. Real agape love from the Spirit says, I am committed. Regardless of the cost, I am committed. I refuse to give up. What is love? What is love? God help me to know that love suffers long and is kind. It envies not, vaunteth not itself, or is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Help me, God, to be full of the Spirit. You do not have the human capacity to love that way in your flesh. It is not possible to have that kind of love by your human will. The only way is to be full of the Spirit. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. I thank you for everyone that's here tonight and everyone that's joining us online. God, I don't want to be a hearer of the word only. I want to be a doer of the word. I don't want to be like a man that looks at my own reflection in the mirror and thinks everything's okay. I want to look at your reflection and I want to mirror myself after you. Help me, God, to be filled with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit can manifest in my life. Help me, Lord Jesus, not to take the Word and just hear it and cast it away. But God, I'm asking you, to let the word convict us. I'm asking you, God, to let the word deal with our hearts, deal with our spirit, deal with our mind. Let it be, oh God, a lamp to our feet to show us where we are standing at and help it to be a light to our path to show us where we're going. Help me, God, to mix it with faith. That when I hear the word, that I mix it with my faith and I begin to apply it so that I can be what you've called me to be. Help us, God. We're living in the midst of a culture and a world and a society that is not conducive to walking in the Spirit. God, we're living in a day, a day and an age that drains spiritual virtue out of our mind and spirit. 
God where perhaps generations ago we may, because of the level of society's morals, we may have been able to go without being constantly filled. But God, that is not the day we live in anymore. In a world that wants to drain us of every ounce of virtue, help us, God, to be filled with the Spirit so that we can manifest the fruit of the Spirit and then be used in the gifts of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in the name of the Lord tonight.